0: Hey, welcome everyone to the fifth episode of the Mad Scientist Financial Independence Podcast. My um, guest today is Mike from LackingAmbition.com. Uh, not only is Lacking Ambition one of my favorite blog names, but uh, it's also one of my favorite blogs as well. Um, Mike's been writing for over five years now, I think, uh, and I've been a avid reader for at least the last couple, so... Uh, I've been very excited to get him on the show to talk to him. Um, Lacking ambition is actually a little bit of a misnomer because uh, he's done some pretty incredible things in uh, a very short amount of time in his life. So uh, he not only did he build up a real estate portfolio that is now producing enough income to sustain his lifestyle completely, um, he did it very early in life uh, after quite a short working career. And he was also able to pick up a law degree along the way. So uh there's a lot to talk about. I'm excited to have him on the show. So uh hey Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. No problem. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so uh for those out there that uh aren't familiar with LackingAmbition.com, um it's you've been writing there since I think about two thousand seven. Um yep. but your 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 pursuit of fi started long before that, is that right?
1: Yeah, uh I'd say If I had to pick a time when it really started, um, I mean, I knew in high school that I didn't want to do the 40-year career uh, typical trajectory that most people take because it just, everything about it didn't appeal to me at all. Um, So uh, the moment when I finally decided I can actually pursue financial independence and live a low-cost lifestyle and then just do whatever I want with with my time, um, I think – was I was probably about twenty two at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I had um, I had gone after high school, I went uh, to college to study uh, classics, classical studies, and philosophy. and um, I had a good time with it for about two and a half, three years. but then I just sort of got I was an idealist, and I didn't think the students around me were um, it seemed like everyone was worried about grad school and their marks and the passion for the actual subjects that we were studying just seemed to fizzle out, and I thought, you know, why am I paying all this money? It was a private school, a liberal arts school. I thought, why am I paying all this money to be here when, if all I want is a degree, I could be somewhere way cheaper? And so I decided to take some time off. And that's when I actually uh, bought some land in New Mexico, um, out in the, uh, just the middle of the desert, about, uh, I don't know, 60, 70 miles south of Albuquerque um along the rio grande and i bought an acre for 500 bucks and uh i put up a a big tent on it and i moved out there with my motorcycle a couple of solar panels uh my laptop a cell phone and uh some books and um i just Spent about a, almost a year out there. It was about nine and a half months, I think I was out there. Wow. And I just, yeah, and I just, um, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I was, I wasn't like this mountain man living totally off the land. I mean, I did hunt a little bit, but uh, that was more for fun than sustenance.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: actually would, uh, I would get like big bags of rice from in town. I had my motorcycle. The nearest town was about six miles away. So I'd ride into town all the time, talk to people and, um, uh, you, you know, so I wasn't just, like bare out there you know, surviving off of rattlesnakes and all that stuff. But I was doing a lot of hiking and a lot of reading and just a lot of, um, reflecting a lot. And, um, that's sort of when I started to decide that I really liked having that time to myself to be able to just go for a hike for several days, um, up in the, up in the Rockies or to just take my bike, uh, my motorcycle, um, and go exploring. Um, so I decided, uh, you know, I wanted to continue, being free like that. But I also sort of had this desire to live a more typical lifestyle, I guess. Not so much that I wanted the comforts and everything, but I just wanted, I think, the social aspects of it to sure. be just, you know, a normal
0: <laughs> a normal guy rather than a guy, a crazy guy living in a tent in the middle of the <laughs> Right. Now, now, before that, were you, were you quite like minimalist and not really concerned with, you know, everything else that a 20, whatever, 20-year-old 20 at that age would probably be wanting or did that then change you even more and make you realize that you didn't actually need a lot to be happy?
1: Well, I think, uh, like Thoreau was a real big influence on me when I was about, gosh, probably only about 15 years old when Mm -hmm. I read, uh, Walden Pond and it really resonated with me. And, uh, that's why I decided to study philosophy instead of, uh, something a little more with maybe a higher return on investment. I was also a pretty successful, um, freelance programmer when i was a teenager i taught myself php and Perl, and i was doing like back-end web development yeah. for these web developers and i was making pretty good money as like a 15 16 17 year old and i was just blowing it all on uh junk i mean uh, what i call junk you know uh, right. like fancy cars and um, computers that were out of date in two years and surround sound systems and just ridiculous stuff that uh, I, I realized just doesn't make me happy and um So I sort of, uh, I mean, it was a very organic process getting to the point where I realized uh, just having a bunch of stuff just isn't enough. It doesn't do, you know, or it's not that it isn't enough, but it doesn't really contribute to my
0: overall level of happiness. Yeah. So uh, uh, recently, like I've never been one to spend a lot of money growing up or anything, but you know, I always, always had, you know, if somebody came to my house, they would not think I was living a sparse existence or anything or like yeah. that but um but uh, over the last 5 years I'd say I've you know been just whittling down what I have and just getting rid of more and more things and just you know canceling more things and just the more and more I do it the happier I get and that sort of makes me think maybe I should rather than just keep whittling down until I find you know the the point where I you know the the sweet spot I guess Maybe it makes more sense to, you know, just completely get rid of everything and then slowly build (laughs) up and, you know, get, get the things that I'm really missing and really actually did make me happy. And, um, and, and yeah, I guess living out in the New Mexican desert, uh, would would I guess you couldn't bring too much stuff out there with you? But no, yeah, and I, I and I moved a lot too as I as I was uh, working and going
1: to school. So every time I moved, it's like you'd have to bring everything with you. And I was pretty good. I mean, it's tough at first, but once you do it once or twice, it's pretty easy to just take stuff and just give it away or throw it away. Right. Um. You know, because if you don't, you just end up lugging this stuff all around. I was moving across the country from New Mexico. I'm originally from New England, so i was come back here, and it's you know you can only bring your two check bags so it's like exactly, I'm, yeah. I'm not
0: going to spend you know a thousand
1: dollars shipping all this junk
0: so yeah absolutely so so after your uh stint in the desert uh then then what what did you end up doing after well, that?
1: so I did have internet out there and I was reading a lot and I was I also had a pretty well used library card in the local town that I was near and uh, I was reading a lot of financial books at that point uh, towards the end and um I remember I was I was uh researching early retirement because I thought that's that's the that's the closest thing that I could figure the lifestyle that I wanted to live. And everything I found was like, Oh, how to retire at 60, you know, yes, <laughs> or 55. Right. And I thought, okay, that's not what I'm talking about, you know? <laughs> and, um, and then one day I, I pumped, I just uh, punched in uh, extremely early retirement. And then, uh, of course, uh, Jacob's uh, right. website, uh, early retirement extreme popped up and I was already out there in the desert. And I thought <laughs> that's what I'm doing. You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, Reading his stuff sort of um, resonated with me that actually this, you know, maybe it's not that hard to save up a couple hundred grand, you know, in in a relatively short amount of time and I could just, you know, continue a very low key lifestyle and this is actually possible. Mm -hmm. And um, so I decided, uh, you know, I was going to need a job for five or 10 years, I figured at that point. So um, originally I thought at that point I thought I wanted to be a, a cop. I thought that would be fun. So I was sort of applying around. Uh, and I couldn't, uh, I mean, I, I was going through the application process, but then there. I just fell into, uh, there was this ad, they were looking for utility workers, uh, at the, fo- the local phone company here in uh, New England. Mm-hmm. I'd come back home and, um, I applied and I got it. And it was, um, you know, they gave me, they gave gave me a, a pay bump and experience credit because of my programming, uh, experience. And so I started out a really high pay. It was a union job and, um, uh, one of the last ones, uh, around. And, um, I was making great money. They also uh, would pay uh, for my education to finish school, whatever you wanted. That was one of the benefits of our bargaining agreement. And so I finished uh, college when I was up here in New England and then ended up going to law school too for free. All while I was working, making a pretty good, uh, pretty good income. And I would, I just rented out. uh, I just, I just kept a real minimalist lifestyle. Like you said, I had uh, studio apartments the whole time. Um, no car if I could, or just a sort of a cheap junker that I would fix up and, and keep running. Um, and I just, you know, I would walk to work and then I would take the train to class and I'd, you know, collapse into bed at the end of the night and then do it again the next day for a couple of years. And that's, I, I started writing about six months after I got that job on uh, on my blog. So that's kind of where the writing picks up.
0: Right. And uh, yeah, I want to come back to the fact that you're, you know, going to school full time, working full time, and writing, you know, your blog, and that, uh, yeah. that reminds me of uh, something our mutual friend uh, Jim Collins, I think, left a comment on one of your posts, and he's like, "It's it's good to finally see some uh, ambition lacking going on around here," Because right. it, <laughs> it does seem like you you do quite a bit, and uh, I'm currently working full time and going to school part time, and I even that is crazy. So I don't know how you're. Uh, And I work on the campus, so I don't have any commute between the two. So I don't know how you were able to do full-time both and commute between them.
1: Yeah, it was really, I mean, it was tough. And I can even sometimes I go back about, you know, a couple times a year, I'll go back and look at my writing and I'll, and I'll be, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. You know, (laughs) like the, uh, I'll see, I mean, you can see this guy's in pain sometimes. It's just so (laughs) difficult to keep up, especially around towards the end of the semester when exams are coming and papers are due. And I had to be, I had just to be a wizard of the, like, I remember my, uh, you know, I used a, a calendar program and like. Every time slot, something was scheduled, and if there was an opening, like oh, next Thursday from two to five, that's when I can write that paper. So I would like to pencil it in. You know, just every moment had to be like micromanaged like that, just in order to get the minimal things done.
0: Right. Yeah. That 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 actually brings me to uh, one of your earlier posts. Actually, um, you, you you're in this time period where you're you know, you're doing all of this stuff and you, you talk about, you know, all like these business ideas that you have or hobbies that you want to, you know, start looking into and stuff. And if you didn't have all, you know, school and work, you would be able to do it. But then like one of the later paragraphs you talk about, you know, well, if I'm being honest with myself, you know, if I did have all that free time, would I really be tackling all of this stuff or, and and that really resonated with me because I, I find that is what's happening with me a bit. Like, uh, Anytime school breaks, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get all this stuff done. But then it's like, well, then it's not. I'm not urgently doing things. I'm not as focused, and you know, it, time just slips by. And 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 that's something I actually worry about happening after financial independence. Like I have all these, you know, big plans. and Then it's like, well, when I have all the time in the world, is it, you know, are you still as um, driven and focused? Right. Uh, and uh, I was wondering if if how it's changed for you pre and post financial independence. And if you are still getting a lot of stuff done that you had thought you were going to get done after FI.
1: Yeah, I haven't, I mean, I haven't really, I I feel like I'm just getting started on the sort of the, the financially independent part of my life because, um, You know i just graduated school about a year ago and then um i finally uh i quit this part-time job i had back in september and then i i had just purchased a house so i was fixing up the house i didn't really have it uh, finished until um about february of this year so i've only only had february march and april so about three months Mm -hmm. and and for a month of that i was traveling too so um i haven't right now i feel kind of like a high schooler at like a graduation, it's like there's just all these possibilities. You know, <laughs> I can just sort of do whatever I want, and it feels really good. Um, but as far as what I find myself doing with my time, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not—I've um, certainly haven't picked up a ton of projects yet. But um, I don't—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm not holding my feet to the fire too much, and I'm not going to worry about it that much because right now I do plan on getting some more temp work in the future. Because while I am financially independent. I do want my income to be a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. My, so I do plan on working in maybe another year or two um, and doing getting some more real estate investments. But um, yeah. so right now I, I haven't really like worried about like, oh, if I waste a day and, and you're right, there's this sort of temptation to say, like when you work and you only have Saturday and Sunday to get everything done, well you have to do it. Mm-hmm. But but when you don't have anything to do Monday or for the rest <laughs> of the week, you can say, Oh, I'll do that Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. Right. Yeah. There was actually this um, uh, you, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, retired Sid. She blogs. I link to her through my oh, yeah, site. yeah, yeah, yeah. And sh- um, she actually had a post earlier this year saying, um, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> like if you if you can't get it done, you know, it's not it's not uh, that's what retirement's for. You know, you always have the next day, and it's kind of this sort of mindset that. I mean, I'm not really. I, I guess I've sort of come to peace with myself that I I'm not going to worry too much about. Trying to just get all this stuff done, and I'm I'm really going to try to enjoy, uh, you know, as as much as I can. Um, so if that means I'm going to hang out with my friends all day long, or, you know, watch a movie in the afternoon, or uh, just you know spend you know five six hours going for a hike when really I should be you know maybe mowing the lawn, then well you know maybe the lawn can wait another day you know.
0: Right, no, it's a great point. And as you're speaking, I just I just sort of came to the realization like I'm still in the you know working mindset like all of these things that i'm excited to try out you most of them are like business ideas and stuff and it's mm-hmm. like well, well I i guess after i you know finally achieve financial independence um you know business ideas yeah they could be fun and rewarding on a non-monetary level but i guess the biggest driver is money but by then i won't need it so yeah what yeah. what what's it matter if i you know put off a little bit of programming until yeah. the weekend or something so
1: sometimes i think it would be fun to take on a big project um but then i, I sort of stopped myself actually um jim collins he came over to visit uh last summer to see the place that yeah. i uh, that i fixed up mm-hmm. and while he was talking he said um you know he made the point like you said the comment he made on my blog that uh <laughs> you know you're not what are you talking about lacking ambition <laughs> i mean look at what you've done um mm-hmm. But I said, well, it's not so much that I lack ambition; it's it's more that I actively suppress it, <laughs> I, because I do have the urges to do these, you know, big. Oh, wouldn't it be fun to, you know, start this organization or start that company or maybe, you know, build a big uh, addition or something to the house or or so, you know, or have a giant garden or something like that. But then I, I sort of stop myself because I know things are more easily begun than finished, right. and and oftentimes when you're in the middle of those projects, it's not nearly as fun as you thought it was going to be at the beginning, and you know, so I, I allow myself to go slowly into things and, um, you know, but we, we'll see what I'm, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe after a year or two of being idle, you know, maybe then I'll want to do something and that's fine. If that's, if that's the course it takes, then, then that's the course it takes. I did, when I was, uh, last September, I met this older couple from Australia. They were traveling over here and they had retired, uh, in their late thirties. And, uh, they told me, I, I offered, uh, we were all, together and I offered them a bottle of wine that I had. It was only about three o'clock in the afternoon. And they said, no, uh, they don't drink until five, you know, <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. Okay. And they said they made that rule because when they first retired, they found themselves about a year into it. And he said, he was just sitting on the couch. It was, it was like 1230 in the afternoon. And he was, he was drinking some wine and watching, uh, uh, children's television. <laughs> he, said, I he said, I can't do this anymore. You know, <laughs> right. Which uh, so I th- I think you know I don't, I don't know if you have to really worry that you're just going to turn into this slob or this blob <laughs> that doesn't do anything because if it gets to the point where you're not enjoying yourself, then you will do something you know right. you'll you'll reignite those passions and start a prod you'll say okay I need to do something now and you'll and you'll start doing it.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point, and and I really yeah I like I like the fact that you said that you're you know going to pick up some part time work and things and 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 that's that's been my mindset as well like all the you know the few friends and family that I actually tell my plan to, um, you know, they, they're always like, well, what if you want to have kids or what if you want to do this or what if this happens? And it's like, well, yeah, I, I could continue working for the next decade and have enough in the bank that'll completely cover anything that could come up or, or I could, you know, stop next year. And then if I do want to have kids, then I can, you know, decide, well, do I want to, spend six months working so that I can build up enough money to, you know, have kids. And I think a lot of people just think retired. Once you're retired, that's it. You can't go back. But, uh, especially in today's world with, you know, all of the opportunities on the internet and things like that, and remote work and all of that, you know, it's not impossible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people worry about having a big gap in the resume, but,
1: and, and the true, that is a detriment when you're looking for work, but it can be overcome. I mean, sure it's not that hard to either and when you have when you are retired you have a lot of capital at your at your disposal so it's not that hard to start a, a small business and you've got a long uh, you can have a long ramp up time to build up a client base I mean because you have that cushion there where you don't really need the income you're just
0: you know looking to enhance it so right absolutely so okay so now you're uh, a utility lineman you're going back to school uh, this is um, back when you're what like 21 or Something like that? Uh, Yeah, I was
1: probably about 23 at
0: that point. 23. So, um, how long did you end up uh, sticking around with the utility company?
1: I was only there about three years. And then uh, the big crash came, I think it was 2009 or whenever it was. Um, And uh, so they had a, the utility company had a massive layoff. They let thousands of people go. And I was, you know, of course, I was one of the junior people. So I was one of the first to go. And um, the nice thing was they, since I had already started my, uh, I'd already done a year of law school, or I, they'd already paid for a year of law school at that point, and they had a, pol- the, part of the layoff policy was if you were already in a degree program, they would uh, finish paying for the next two years, and that would help, that was just a, what I needed to oh, finish wow. my degree. So it was kind of, it was kind of perfect, <laughs> and they, and, uh, and I got some severance pay, and uh, and I had a lot of money saved up, because like I said, that whole time, I, I barely spent any money.
0: Wow, yeah, uh, that is good, and, uh, and then you had more free time to... Do other things in addition to your law degree, and
1: yeah, mostly at that at that point, it was just sort of nice to have a break.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I bet.
1: Yeah, I'm try- yeah I'm trying to think back to exactly what I did. I picked up some more classes and I did some internships and um, I just sort of enjoyed living in Boston for a while and uh, explored the city. And that was that was kind of a nice time. I, I mean, I liked school. I like I like going to class. I like learning. I like engaging with the students, professors, and the the subjects. So for me, it was nice to be able to just be able to focus on that. Yeah, you know? and I, I
0: have to ask you because I'm in a similar situation. I'm getting a free master's degree right now, and that was the primary reason it's like, I took the job. It's like getting away with murder, That's right? Like way to get those tuitions so high, it's just oh, it's, ridiculous. It's if really you can get that, ridiculous. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's absolutely no way I would be paying for it. But it's great right. when it's free. But uh, sometimes I'm, you know, when a big papers due or something, I find myself like, like. I'm not going to use this degree, I'm going to be, you know, hanging up my work clothes next year, uh, so by the time I, like a few months after I graduate, it's like, why am I putting me, myself through all this additional work, uh, yeah. did, you, did, you, did you go through the same sort of struggles? Uh, not, not really,
1: because for me it was an intrinsically, I mean, I, I actually, I bought classes that I was interested in rather than the ones that were most likely to get me, the you know, land a job or whatever, so it was nice to, to be able to explore that kind of stuff. I mean, I always liked school and it's, and it takes away a lot of pressure too, that I don't, I didn't have to worry about being at the top of the class. So it's, it's much easier to walk into exam and know that, well, all I really have to do is pass this thing. I don't, you know, so yeah, it's, that's a good point. You don't, you don't sweat at all. It's, it's, and you do, a, it, when you, when you're not under pressure like that, or at least when I'm not under pressure like that, I, I
0: do, I tend to do a lot better because yeah. I just, you know, I'm more confident. And Yeah, that's true. That's a, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. My, uh, my the master's degree I'm doing is like a, a liberal studies degree because that's the one I can do part time and uh, mm-hmm. the the classes that I'm taking these the my program director must just think I'm absolutely crazy just because yeah I'm just picking and choosing all these random things that yeah. I'm interested <laughs> in and have like absolutely no structure whatsoever. It's,
1: uh, it's, it's great. I, I, I mean, I I think I wrote a post once about how I viewed college and higher education. Um, I mean, I have the luxury to do this as as, as a luxury item rather than as looking at it purely as an investment, because as an investment vehicle for me, it hasn't been that great. <laughs> I mean, right, I, right. All my money has come from nothing to do with my degree so far, any of my education. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I just see it as something that I enjoy, and I think it makes it easier for me to sort of understand myself and the world, and um, makes it, uh, I don't know, I, I think it just makes makes it easier
0: to sort of live with less. Yeah, no, I, two, I, I, know? Would, I think I would agree. Um, yeah. Do you uh, plan on ever going back, like getting a PhD or anything? Uh,
1: you, when I was at the, uh, when I was still the utility company, and they 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 had the, um, I mean it was free tuition for as much for as long as you wanted. By the way, I was the only guy I knew. I worked with about eighty other guys. I was the only guy who actually took advantage of it. So it was a pretty <laughs> it was a pretty cheap program for the company to run. Um, right. I couldn't believe it. I was telling all the guys they should be doing it. They should be doing it, but. Yeah. you know how you know how people are so um yeah so when it was free i thought oh maybe i'll i don't know maybe i'll get a master's in physics or theology or wouldn't that be fun you know yeah, yeah. I thought, <laughs> or <laughs> economics you know yeah. but now now i'm at the point where i think i think i'm pretty i mean i wouldn't say never like maybe in five ten years but i i, I could see myself wanting to do something like that but right now 99 percent sure now i think i'm done if i want to look into something or, or learn about something i'll just do it on my own and
0: Right. You know, yeah. And, and, yeah, to be clear, you weren't just at like a, uh, you know, a couple thousand dollar community college down the road. You were at Harvard, weren't you? Yeah. Well, I was at the Harvard Extension School, which is their,
1: um, it's a part of the university they started up a little over 100 years ago for, it was mostly, it was geared towards uh, local people in the city to take advantage of the university. And they've sort of grown it up. And I think, uh, I don't know about 50 60 years ago I, I i'm not exactly sure but they started offering degrees at that point wow. to people and uh so now they grant a, a few hundred degrees every year um to to people who just go through the whole course schedule wow. and uh yeah it was a great time and you get um, uh, a lot of the same professors who teach the harvard college courses teach the extension courses a lot of times you're with the college kids in class in the same classes and it's uh you're on this you know you're on the harvard campus and uh it's a great. It was a great experience. I loved uh, the students. I loved the teachers. Even the administration was good to work with, and it was, um, yeah, you know, it was, you know, it was uh, a really good time. It made
0: it a lot easier to go to class and actually enjoy it, yeah. even though it was stressful. But so yeah, that, that definitely that's a huge benefit from the yeah. utility company. That couldn't have been cheap. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, I actually read a post um, a while ago when I after I started this degree and saying this. This seems to be such a good way of. Going about getting a graduate degree because I, you know, I'd always thought I'd want to go back to school, but the thought of paying all that money was just crazy. Yeah. So if uh, yeah, if
1: I had to pay for it, I, I don't
0: think I ever. I might have finished my undergrad degree, but I never certainly would have gone to
1: grad school if I had to pay full full price. Yeah, I it just totally agree. it just doesn't make sense. No, yeah. definitely.
0: Um. So yeah. So now, uh, so you worked there for three years, um, and you were able to pretty much go from zero to uh, nearly. F- Financially independent in in just that time.
1: Well, pretty much. I mean, I I had a, a lot of seat. I mean, I still had to um, put a lot of labor into these into this real
0: estate I bought. So yeah, let's get into the, let's get into the real yeah. estate if you don't mind. So when did you pick up your first rental property?
1: Um, that would be October. I think it was. Uh, i think that was 2009 it's on my blog it was about three or four years ago in october Mm -hmm. Um, and i bought this little house in uh in massachusetts for uh i think i paid uh it was like 22 or 23 thousand for that one and um that was i mean that was i didn't really know what i was doing i mean i had the cash and i knew i had a uh, my uncle is a um you know, he buys old houses, knocks them down, and he builds these big mansions and, and sells them in uh, high high cost of living areas. And that so, he knew a realtor, and uh, he you know he gave me her number, and um, she was really happy to help me. And uh, even though her commission wasn't that high on a twenty three thousand dollar house, but she was just excited to you know see me get started. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she helped me out, and she made it real easy. And I I just I had to look at a ton of houses. I found this one and um i I paid cash for it uh, it was a small two-bedroom house i learned i pretty much taught myself a whole bunch of stuff like i mean i didn't know how to do hardly anything i i had to learn how to um put windows in um do do drywall trim work uh plaster paint, install flooring uh do a little bit of electrical work a little bit of plumbing work um i don't know uh, you know whatever else siding work roofing. all that kind of stuff. I just had to teach myself. I would read a book. I'd go on the internet. I'd watch a video and I'd figure it out. It took me about six months to, to fix that place up. And, uh, and then I rented it out, um, for 900 a month. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and then I started looking for another one as soon as it was ready. And, um, and I, so I did it twice over again. So now I have three places, one of which I live in and the other two I rent out for, uh, 1900 a month altogether. Um, and I, I was able to do it without any mortgages
0: or anything. I was able to pay cash all the houses I paid less than twenty five grand for all of them um, see that's yeah that that's really interesting. I was speaking to Paula from AffordAnything.com dot com in the last episode and she she also buys around that you know that price point and mm-hmm. um up here in Vermont it's like i oh, yeah, i'm 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 not looking so maybe that's right. the problem but but it's like wow, I can't can't imagine a you know a house going on sale for that much. But you live in Massachusetts, and that's probably even more expensive generally. Uh, right. Uh, people think of New England; they think they could never afford a house
1: here. But I bought three of them. You know, <laughs> with right. this, with these, with just with uh, the like for less than the price of uh, a lot of cars. The, are, um are these with, like rural houses or? Uh, uh the, no uh two well ones the one I live in is just outside of the center of a small town um and the. Uh, the one of them that i rent is only a couple miles away from the one i live in and then another one is about 15 miles away and it's in a it's in a city a small city mm-hmm. in uh in um, central mass and um so i mean there's a mix of city houses available and um rural houses available and Basically, there are these foreclosures, and they've fallen into disrepair. And the, uh, you know, the copper pipes are all stolen. The, the, who knows if the furnaces work? Mm-hmm. The, often, oftentimes, the roofs have leaks, and there's water damage inside. And so you go inside, and it's just frightening. Mm-hmm. But uh, but then, uh, the, the, my attitude is: the scarier it looks, the better, because that means the cheaper it's going to be. You know. <laughs> right. And so you sort of you sort I sort of know what to look for now to see, uh, you know, what problems are. You know, scary looking, but easy to fix. And what problems are actually actually scary? (laughs) Maybe and maybe I should uh, run away from them. But um, uh, but these are just. uh, I mean, there's no secret to it. I mean, they're just MLS listings. They're regular real estate listings that the bank lists after the foreclosure process has been has been done. Mm -hmm. And you can. I mean, you go to any MLS searching website and you can see them. They don't last long at all. I mean. When there's a house, um, once it gets below about forty grand, if it's any kind of, a, as long as it's not a complete teardown, it's it's gone within maybe five to ten days. So you have to be, you sort of have to watch the listings like a hawk. What I do when I'm ready to buy, I just sort of watch the listings like a hawk. And um, anytime there's something listed, I look, I look at it that day or the next day. And you can't you can't hem and haw. I have one friend who says he wants to do this. But every time he looks at a house, he, you know, it takes him two weeks to decide whether or not he wants to make an offer. And you can't do that. You got, you got to go in, make an evaluation, say, okay, I'm going to offer this much, and I write the offer and send it in. And with, so, from the moment I see the listing to when my offer's in, it's probably less than 48, definitely less than 48 hours, often less than 24. Wow. And you got to have the cash ready to go. And they'll say, you know, we accept your offer, and then a week later they'll do the closing <laughs> right and it's and it's just like that you know so you gotta i do my own house inspections um there's a lot less paperwork when it's cash involved so i have to sort of the, the first one i um i had a friend of a friend who's a house inspector go through with me and he kind of sort of showed me how to do it so then the next two i just did myself and
0: um so that's what i do now nice and um so how about the time frame of, uh, you know, when you're doing this, are you still in law school and working at the utility company at this point, or did you pick up uh, your first house after that?
1: No, I believe uh, my first house, I had been laid off for about a year at that point, but I was still finishing up my last year of law school. So, so I would, I would go up and work on a house and then go to class and, uh, you know, I split my time between them. Um,
0: no, yeah, but I, I wasn't,
1: I wasn't working though at that point. Yeah.
0: How about before uh, you started investing in real estate? Were you uh, mainly a in, uh, stock investor? Or?
1: Yeah, that's pretty
0: boring, though. All I was, uh,
1: all I was doing was buying uh, index funds. I was a passive index asset allocation investor. Hey, that's, um, that's the best way to do it. I think so. It's, it's, it's the lazy, easy way, and I think that's the best way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it and it, it might be the best way, you, despite the lack of uh, effort that you need, because it seems to have pretty good returns. Um, okay. Just. Yeah, just asset allocation, passive index funds,
0: regular rebalancing. Excellent. And then Nothing so exciting. So then you just uh started uh, shifting that over uh and using that to buy the properties and you said exactly you're up to three properties now? I'm up to three right now. Yep. And that's yeah ex- Is that your pri that's your that's your main source for all of your uh passive income to sustain you? After financial independence,
1: yeah, yeah. So right now, my gross rents are nineteen hundred a month, um, with no mortgages. Um, F uh, rule of thumb is um, take your gross rents and cut them in half, and that'll be your net rent usually. Um, I figure though, I'm a little higher than that because, uh, you know, I have no mortgage to pay, mm-hmm. and I have um, I do all my managing myself, and I fix everything myself. So I, uh, I think rule of thumb for me might be closer to sixty, maybe even seventy percent return. So I'm probably looking at Twelve, thirteen hundred a month, or about about twelve hundred a month net, mm-hmm. you know, and that's enough because my personal expenses are only are less than that. So
0: that's great. And uh, yeah. I know uh, on your blog you've been saying you may be in the market to pick up another couple of properties, yeah. pops, possibly. Uh, what What do you think the current environment's like? in I know it's all local, so obviously this will yeah. just be a mass thing. Well, but are there still opportunities out there? Yeah, I, I mean, I live in fear that. Uh,
1: that it's all just going to turn around tomorrow and there won't be any deals left. So I'm, I'm sort of going as fast as I can to uh, get together the funds to buy the next. I definitely want at least two more at this point is what I'm thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I, I'm, I'm thinking just by looking at the foreclosure rates and the numbers, uh, the number of foreclosures that have been happening over the past year and that will probably continue to happen um, over the next few months at least. The, like that, You can see numbers that are of uh, distressed properties. They publish those or uh, people who are like behind on their sure. payments. And it, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be another at least another year where these properties will
0: be available, and I'm I'm hoping maybe at least two years, but um, beyond that, who, who knows? Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's good to know. At least, um, yeah, it, it sounds great, and the, the way you went about it is uh, really inspiring as well. That's that's something I was really inspired by Paula um, in the last episode. It just, you know, I, I tend to overthink things so much, but she just you know saw a good deal on a house, ran the numbers, which, you know, the numbers aren't that difficult yep. to run. It's it's not right. calculus or anything. So, and then I mean, was... it was, oops, sorry. It can me. be,
1: it, it can be a little scary the first one because you don't really know what the numbers are like i don't really know how much it costs to fix a place up when i first started so it's you're really ballparking it yeah, that's true. and you're you know and my 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 father would tell me oh if it were a good deal someone already would have bought it that's what, <laughs> that's what he always says i said oh so everyone gets a good deal but me is that how that works <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so so uh so everyone's telling you oh don't do it you know a 20 oh, there's got to be something wrong with it oh, How's that cheap you know and so you got to kind of go against what everyone's telling you and you got to trust your you know the research you've done and and you know, just do it, and uh, and kind of hope for the best. And it, it worked out for me, and it was definitely risky. I mean, I definitely could have missed something, and it could have been a twenty-five thousand dollars mistake for me.
0: But right. uh, so not far, enough. not enough to put you under, and you, know, you don't have you know a, right. a bank breathing down your neck or anything. So I think that's... exactly
1: that's what I figured. Worst case, whatever.
0: You right. know, I can recover from that. You yeah, know, no, Absolutely, it's... and and that and that's a great. Like I, I've always wanted to pick up. You know more skills like that, and you know my wife and I have talked about you know when we're 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 gonna head abroad, uh, probably at the end of next year, and um, you maybe do some you know like volunteering or something like that, Uh, you Uh know Habitat for Humanity sort of stuff or. I think that's a great way to learn some skills. Yeah. Yeah, you think? Okay, cool. Yeah, because we we've just been talking about that recently. Um, but but what you did as well is that's such a such a good idea. You know you. It, you don't have, like I said, you don't have the blank bank breathing down your neck, so it's not like you need to hurry up and get everything ready and get a tenant in, or else you're not gonna be able to pay your mortgage. Just yeah, get a right. fixer upper that's paying cash. Get a fixer upper and then yeah, fix it up yourself and learn everything as you go along. That, that's an awesome way of doing it. Yeah, it's nice if you have the, the cash,
1: the time, and the stomach for it, and then the <laughs> willingness to do the work. Yeah, but if if you have all that, then it's great. Yeah, yeah
0: that's awesome. Well, um. Well, yeah, we're getting to near the end of the podcast, so usually I ask uh, all of my guests uh, if there was any, like, just one piece of advice you'd give to somebody that's just starting on the path to financial independence, uh, uh, what would that be?
1: I think what I would tell, I think one of the biggest things for me when I was um, just working every day, going to school, was I was wondering, you know, with all this effort, all this work, all this, uh, you know, putting all this money away, I didn't even know if it was going to work like my plan. (laughs) You know, I was uh, that was sort of my I had this self-doubt that I wasn't sure. And you, you most people, this is an unusual way to sort of live your financial life. So it's not a common thing. You don't see a lot of examples of it. And if you share your plans with other people, as you were just (laughs) talking about, you'll get all this negative criticism and feedback about how it can't work. It won't work. It will never work. And uh, I, I would just like to say to those people who have thought it through and are working on a plan. And are are working towards their goals. That uh, they shouldn't listen to those people, and they should uh, <laughs> just be confident, and they will succeed if they keep at it. And and uh, yeah, it's know, an to not worry advice. about that.
0: Yeah, no, it's excellent advice because yeah, I I just stopped telling people. I think it'll be <laughs> it'll be more fun, you know, at the end of next year when they're like, so where you are you, you worried? If someone
1: really probes and is really interested and wants to know, I'll talk about it, but I'm I i do not I don't advertise it. Certainly that's why I keep my blog sort of semi-anonymous because I don't, I just don't want to <laughs> have to yeah. deal with naysayers all the time.
0: Yeah, I know. We, we can, Mr. Money Mustache just got on uh Washington Post cover page on the online right. yeah, edition I saw that. <laughs> and I think he's been having to deal with yeah, a lot of he's, garbage. He's a braver man, braver man than I am. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, but yeah, no, that's great advice. And I, if, if, Anyone does want to get in touch with you or, uh should they just go over to lackingambition.com? Do you got a way to get in touch? Yeah.
1: Go to my blog right now. Uh, I did have a contact form up. I'll, I'll probably have it up by the time you air this again. Um, or you can leave a comment on any, my, one of my, uh, my articles and uh, get in touch with me that way. And I'm happy. I'm happy to talk to anybody who wants to, uh, to get in touch with me.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Mike. I, it was great talking to you and I'm sure everybody out there is uh had a really good time listening. I know I I spoke to Jim last night, Jim Collins from JL Collins NH, uh, and he was really really excited to uh, oh good to hear the interview, <laughs> and he said to say hello. So,
1: all right, great. Here's well, a thanks listening. a lot. It was
0: fun. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Take care. All right, you too. Bye. Right. Well, I hope you agree that that was a pretty amazing story. Um, Mike's path to the financial independence really highlights the importance of cash flow over everything else. Um, it's easy to get caught up with you know I need X amount of dollars to achieve financial independence but really at the end of the day you just need to be concerned with you know X amount of steady reliable passive income per month instead because if you've if, you, if you've got steady income coming in every month that exceeds your bills then that's pretty much the definition of being financially independent so um, yeah. I'd like to touch on Mike's numbers again just because it it's really inspiring. You know, he he said he bought three properties for less than $25,000 each. So assuming that he had to put another maybe 10 grand or so into each of them to get them into a livable condition, we're still only talking about just over $100,000 invested. So you know, he's bringing in $1,200 a month in consumable cash flow and uh, it only took him just over $100,000 and a lot of hard work to get there. But uh, you know the the lower number is definitely very inspiring, and that's one of the reasons that you know real estate is 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 an exciting topic for me. So, um, cash flow is actually something I'm probably going to focus a bit more on uh, on the Matt Scientists in the coming months, um, since there's so many different ways to create cash flow. There's there's many interesting strategies uh, to pursue financial independence that are worth exploring so I think I'll touch on that a bit more on the site in the months to come. Um, So yeah, I I thought it was a a great interview and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I was actually not planning on releasing this episode for another month or so but I had such a good time speaking with Mike and enjoyed listening to the interview so much that I just couldn't wait to get it published so figured I'd put it out there earlier than planned. Um, And I'm also starting to think about maybe kicking the podcast up a notch. Um, I have a lot of exciting ideas in the pipeline, and uh, so I'm thinking I may start releasing more episodes in quicker succession, so uh, this is hopefully the start of that. If you guys enjoy the podcast and wouldn't mind taking a minute to leave a review on iTunes about it, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, I I put a link on the show notes to make this easy for you if you're up for it. Um, I was actually listening to a podcast about podcasting last week. and. I realized I'd do absolutely nothing to promote the show, so I figure if I'm going to start releasing more episodes, I should also try to do better on the promotion side of things as well. Uh, but don't worry, I, I hate doing any sort of self-promotion, so you don't have to worry about this podcast turning into a big self-promotion machine or anything like that. So uh, What I love to do, however, is promote other people's great things that they're doing. So uh, If you haven't been to LackingAmbition.com yet, uh, definitely take a look because, as I said in my intro, it's one of my favorite personal finance blogs. So I'm sure it could be one of yours as well if you haven't checked it out yet. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much again to Mike for taking the time to speak with me. And uh, thank you guys for listening. The square root of negative one equals finance.